Hello, hello, hello! Welcome! This is War Council. My name is Caleb Dillon with White Metal Games. And I'm Phil Corn with Brushwork Minis. And this is episode 32. Uh, today on the show we're going to be talking to Jason of Wargasm Apocalypse. He is a event organizer up in, um, I think, Alberta, Canada, or maybe Calgary, or, or one of those um, cities up there that I'm not aware of. Uh, but he has an event up there called Apocalypse. It's a giant apocalypse game. I'm going to go with probably the biggest one they have up there other than what many Wargaming organizes every once in a while. Um, so we're going to be talking to him on the show today about that and talking about summer games. Um, we This is the first podcast, uh, well, this is episode 32, and it's our first podcast in our new space. Like, we're, we moved our podcasting stuff down to uh, the primary studio, like Studio A, as I like to call it. Um, so um, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, Philip, you guys had just, now you've officially moved in. Last time on the show, you were a couple days out. Yeah. So now today, it's uh, you've been moved in for about ten days, give or take. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been uh, an interesting transition. So it's taken at least a week just to get everything settled in. We got new desks, we got shelving put in, and all this. So there are some pictures, I believe, on the Facebook page, or at least on Instagram. At least on Instagram. Like yeah. we took one picture of kind of like the cube farm, as I like to think of it. But <laughs> it actually does look like um, when you look at like a picture, like Awaken Realms has a picture of their their kind of cube desks, mm-hmm. and I was like, you guys kind of created a mini version of that, basically. Really? Yeah. Essentially, like if you look at your desks and you look away the way Awaken set up their their studio. It's not that different. I mean, okay. basically, it's like you guys, you've tr- converted your living room into your studio. Yeah. And then your dining room is kind of like a display area slash TV room. Because mm-hmm. um, you've got a couple cabinets around with all your miniatures spread out. Um, uh, we, we completely redid the garage. So the garage, um, we rented out, or I rented out for a second studio. So that's been kind of, kind of a, a shipping slash photography slash terrain play slash storage. Um, and that actually, like, we banged that out really fast. Yeah, well, but, you had everything organized. Right. So we just literally just stacked boxes, basically. So what was nice about this is, like, you'd think 10 days after a move we'd really be struggling, but really, like, it's business as usual. Yeah. It's kind of like we, we got it all organized, we got everything in place, we had a plan going in, and now it's like it didn't interrupt our workflow that much, really. Yeah. Just a few-day delay, and yeah. we're, we're back up and running, so... So, I mean, I think it's great. I mean, we've basically added an extra, you know, 300 square foot of, of, of space for storage. So almost doubling the general studio space. Plus, you guys have a new living environment. Plus, you guys have a place where you can work. And every time I come over, like I come over every couple of days, you guys are all working. You yeah. guys are all working together. It seems like it's a, it's a really good environment. It's fun, yeah. I mean, we get to bounce ideas off each other, ask for advice, um, scheme. Yeah, yeah. You get to <laughs> working on some projects, personal projects as well. So I'm looking forward to hopefully re- showing those soon. Um, that's really cool. I mean, I, I'm really excited about where this is going, and I think that as long as like you know we continue to have a good client base to support this, I think that this is only going to grow. Um, and I'm really excited to see what the next stage of this looks like. I've been thinking about what we look like in 2017 because now I know what we look like in 2016. I know where this year goes, but I can't I can't wait to see what happens next year. Um, so thank you to all of our loyal client base that's helped us to sort of build our studio up, get to the level we're operating at now. Um, and we, we continue to welcome your business. We, uh, we continue to book new projects every day. Um, and we are interested in talking to you. If you've got a project you want to speak with us about, email us at info at whitemetalgames.com. Check out our website, whitemetalgames.com online. Um, and just, you know, let us know what you're interested in. We'd love to speak with you. Uh, before we get out of the intro too much, I want to talk a little bit more about the charity raffle army. 
Um, this is something that's been coming up in the show um, just a little bit. And, and essentially, to kind of boil it down, um, as you guys well know, um, not too long ago, really, it was only about five weeks ago, I, I think, there was a, a massacre in Florida. There was a massive shooting. And these days on the news, it almost gets lost because uh, there's so many shootings now. There's, there's just like, there's new violence every day. Um, and, and so in response to that, Matt from Titan Terrain Studio, who we previously interviewed on the show, uh, basically asked us to team up with him and some other artists um, um, from various studios, including Sean from Blue Table Painting. They're supplying some models. Lots of guys dropped models on the project. And then basically everyone's getting together and saying, like, look, let's, let's put together this army so that we can raffle it off, um, try to raise some money for, um, for the victims of these kinds of um, crimes. Um, we found that in, in practice, this was a little harder than you might think, mostly because of the nonprofit organization's status in 401ks, um, that you can't set it up easily. You have to find organizations to do that. We did finally find an organization in Northern Virginia called Nova Open, and we had a conference call with them um, about a little over a week ago. Um, and we sat down with them and talked to them about um, our proposal, and um, they basically accepted our proposal. They said that they would... You know, basically, they'll chair the, the project. What that means is that it'll all go through their site. So it's like a partnership opportunity yeah. where they'll, um, they'll feature the Army on their website. Once we get it all, all finished and done, they'll help to advertise it at events. And when we actually go to the charity raffle, they'll sell tickets through their website. Um, so I'm going to provide a link to the Nova Open Foundation. We don't have that project up yet, but when it is up, you'll be able to follow that link back to it. So if you're listening to this episode, um, you know, Currently, we're recording in um, July, but this episode could be, uh, you could be listening to it months from now, and by then the Army could be ready. Um, so check out that link. See if the Army is up. It's a, a Red Scorpions Army project. We're not quite sure on the name yet um, because we proposed the name Pain Over Hate, um, which I love, but unfortunately the board was a little split on it. They felt like the name was a little controversial, basically. Um, and, and, and for me, that kind of worked because I was like, it is a controversial topic. And so the best way to like, I think hit the nail on the head is to just call space, right? Exactly. Call space, spade, address it directly. Um, but if people out there uh, who are listening have a good idea, um, the money is going to go to, there's a charity called victims of crime against hate. Um, so that's kind of what we're working with. And essentially like the money will go to victims of, um, you know, these sorts of crimes, shootings, that kind of thing. So um, if you have an idea, I'd love to hear it. Um, my best alternate idea was feel no paint, <laughs> but I'm not quite sure that, like, you know, because I, I liked, like, well, feel no pain, like, you know, they're in pain, but I put a T <laughs> on pain, and Matt didn't even respond. <laughs> right. I emailed Matt, like, what do you think about feel about paint? Nothing. Like, which tells me what he, he thinks about it. <laughs> or it just tells me that he just didn't have time to respond. So um, so anyway, if you have a better name than Paint Over Hate or Feel No Paint, because everyone should have a better name than Feel No Paint, yeah. um, please let us know. <laughs> we'd, love to, we'd love to get a new name. I mean, really, the bottom line is that, like, what we should probably just call it is something simple like Red Scorpions Army or something like that. Because I looked at their website at Nova Open, and really all the armies are named, like, what they are. Um, but then it says like to benefit, you know, to benefit, you know, b- children without border or to benefit one of those things. Yeah. So maybe we'll just call it that like red scorpions army to benefit victims of crime against hate or something like that. Um, anyway. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to jump back in with on the painting desk. 
uh, right after this word from Frontline Gaming. Hey guys, PewDiePie here from Frontline Gaming. Are you tired of playing tabletop games on the same old foldable table? Do you have to lug around a bulky Roma Battle table terrain set? Looking for a gaming mat to match the theme of your army and wow your friends? Then look no further than the Frontline Gaming and Table Warp Fat Mat series. Our fat mats are durable, waterproof, and come in 6x4 foot, 4x4 foot, and 3x3 foot sizes. With over 25 different images to choose from, we have a fat mat for every tabletop game. Get yours today at FrontlineGaming.org. Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to jump into On the Painting Desk. This segment of the show is sponsored by Frontline Gaming. Um, Frontline Gaming are, um, um, uh, well, they're huge. I mean, if you don't know about them, they're out in the West Coast. They're um, gearing up for LVO right now, right? Yeah, apparently, at least from what I was seeing or hearing, they're closing out. Like, they're selling a lot of tickets. Really? That's awesome. It's still like a year out almost. That's crazy. Um, I mean, you know, Reese Robbins and his team over there, they just do a great job with organizing. I mean, they're kind of like the unofficial official organizers of these kind of events. Like, people go to them for like, hey, how do we do this? Mm -hmm. And essentially, that's what they do. They they help other organizations get, get their GTs off the ground. In addition to that, they um, sell terrain, they sell mats. Fat mats are something we've extended to our clients on our high-volume projects. So now if you book a project with us, you start to qualify for fat mats at twelve fifty and above. And that's money, not points. Mm-hmm. So clients that even book really a relatively small project, like twelve fifty is pretty, a pretty modest army, you get to qualify for a free 3x3 three three fat mat. Um, and we started, we started playing with their terrain. So I wanted to ask yeah. you about that. We've got, we're working on some ITC terrain. And it's produced by, I think, Greenman Designs, who's a, a, a manufacturer of terrain, but sold through their store. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an official ITC product. Um, we've been putting together a couple things, just kind of playing with it. What's, what's your opinion of it so far? Uh, well, I mean, it's made from NDF, so it's the standard. Medium much, density yeah. fiberboard, yeah. So a lot of Laser things. cut, so it's got mm-hmm. nice etched. It's clean. You don't mm-hmm. have to, like, de-sprueing should be fast and simple. Yeah, it wasn't you know. t- didn't take too long. We got, so we worked on one of the two-story buildings. Um, and there's a lot of options. I mean, you can block off windows for blocking line of sight. Uh, they're modular. You can remove the levels. They even have a balcony level that's an upgrade mm-hmm. where you can yeah. add like a balcony and you can add like a you know a walkway kind of. Yep. Yeah. So. so everything's done pretty well. Like the parts are hidden where you know joints come together and things yeah. like that. So uh, so far it's good. We've only done the one building. I'm looking forward to doing the crates. Yeah. It's a great value. I mean, it's, I think it's two crates for $10. Price-wise, so. it's really good. Yeah. Um, and they and what's really cool is a lot of the Greenman design stuff, he's got other, like, kind of interesting items. Like, I think he's got, like, um, what do you call those things? A billboard mm-hmm. set. Yeah. He's got um, all of the modular set, And they've got different buildings, like, some of them are, like, blasted out some of them are not blasted out so if you don't want to sit there and damage your set buy one of the you know already burned buildings and just um or better yet have us buy it for you Mm -hmm. and we can get you a discount on the materials and let's do a train project man let's get that thing going uh all right so what's on your painting desk right now well uh two projects uh the big one right now would be the shadows of brimstone massive project yeah i guess it's all the expansions and i'm not too familiar with the game itself but it was a lot of miniatures it's produced by flying frog Mm -hmm. and they're kind of a smaller manufacturer they had a really successful kickstarter maybe a year or two ago it was over a million i saw yeah Yeah. it was huge i mean basically it's a it's a weird west game Mm -hmm. you know and um that was actually when trey parker first contacted us that was his first commission with us yeah so like that was how we got um in you know how we met him through was through that commission Mm -hmm. um and then you know after that we've done some other stuff for him but that was like that was great Mm -hmm. (laughs) like so i really love shadows of brims it'll always have a fond place in my heart because (laughs) of that so So, how do you find the miniatures 
The miniatures are okay, so I the um, they're simple. They're, they're evocative. I like the look of them. Mm-hmm. Like the uh, the bigger figures are, are really cool looking. Yeah, so like we got I get to work on Belial, which are some of the harder to find bigger models. Um, there are some issues with like the resin models. So a lot of the heroes are made in resin, and they had issues with the casting. Yeah, the sculpts are nice, but yeah. the casting material just wasn't up to par. Um, so I mean, it, some of them can be hit and miss. I'll be honest. Sure. Um, so you got to be careful with that. But uh, overall, the project was wasn't bad. Yeah, so. I mean, I think what I think we have to give some of these early companies some leeway. Mm-hmm. Kind of like they're they're kind of learning the process as they go. They're going to make mistakes. Um, but overall, like the, the models look really sharp. And even on the few places where there's some casting errors, like you were, because it's a dusty Western world, you're able to kind of clear that up a little bit. Like you could make yeah, some... you can make bubbles look like dirt or res or stubble mm-hmm. if it's a beard or. Um, so that's real cool. Um, in addition to that, you're working on a Halo project. Yeah, so this is a uh, just I, I don't even know what the main human faction is. Yeah, I think it, I think it's USNC, which yeah. I forget what that stands for, but it's like United Space blah 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 right, or something right. like that. So it's just a bunch of their ships. One of their super carriers, which is a huge block. The Punic, yeah, yeah. It's like what, probably eight inches long. It, yeah, at least. Pro- at least a- Probably about a pound and a half or something. I mean, in terms of, like, gameplay, like, if you had to put it in a characteristic, like, if the regular carriers are, like, a Star Destroyer, I guess, Mm -hmm. to put it in context, the Punic is, like, you know, the Super Star Destroyer. It's, like, it's that ship that's, like... Right. It's it's much, much larger. At least, at least, you know, 30% bigger. Mm -hmm. So it's huge. Um, It was a good cast. So they... Most of their stuff was done in plastic. The resin, however, was... Unique. It yeah, it's like a white well resin. It's a little different. Yeah, well, it was weird because it was a mixture of resins, so parts yeah. of them were different colors. But regardless, it went together very nicely. Um, they're very clean. There were no mold lines. Yeah. It took no time really to clean it at all. So it was pretty nice. We've also heard through the grapevine. Jonathan was talking about this that the Halo. They're also going to do so. This Halo. This is from um, Halo Fleet Battles. Mm-hmm. They're also going to do a ground version of Halo. Yes. Um, like Spartan Games is doing Halo Ground Battles, and that's going to be coming out in the next couple months. So if you like the look of our Halo projects that you've seen on our galleries and you want us to jump into that, we'd love to. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think that would be really, really fun. Um, so we are all about it. Just contact us at info at metalgames.com. Let us know what you want to do, and let's, let's get on that Halo train, man. <laughs> uh, a client of mine reached out to me about Acadian Project, sort of a, a nuclear winter project this morning. And he mentioned this website called um, Pig Iron, which I'd never heard about before. And they're a, a UK-based site that does bits manufacturing. But they actually have these heads. Now, they don't call them Spartan heads, but they're very clearly Spartan heads, <laughs> like like Halo Spartans. Okay. So if you're looking for like a, a way to make your Marines look Spartan, That's cool. yeah, yeah, Pig Iron Miniatures. Um, it's, a, it's sort of like, I was like, this is kind of a hidden gem out of, out of, like, out of the UK. So. It's so hard. There's so many of those companies. Oh my god! It's so hard to find them yeah. because I feel like they try to be a little secretive because they yeah. somewhat play very well. It, it's it's still kind of I think a sensitive topic. Mm-hmm. It's like it's it's like they're you know the whole chapter house thing went down and um it, you know it, it's no one's above reproach entirely. Right. GW could lash out with their dogs. They could, yeah. but I don't think they will. I think that they've decided to move in a different direction. Um, so anyway, but it was it was a cool looking thing. Speaking of bits manufacturers, one of the projects I have on my desk right now they're called the Blood Knights, but they're really um, kind of a non Blood Angels version of it's kind of a Dark Angels version of Guardians of the Covenant. 
um, which is an actual Dark Angels chapter. Um, but regardless of which, this client sent us some models, and um, he's a busy guy, and in the hustle and bustle of things, he forgot to include three drop pods that he was supposed to send us. So he asked, he's like, do you know a good equivalent? And um, there's a company out in the UK that does these termites. They call them boring machines. I forget what they're called, but um, he, he asked us to order those. So I'm really excited about this because I've always wanted to do term. And do you know what I mean by that? Like so it's got- like a drill, like on right. the front, so it goes underground. Exactly, it's like a reverse drop pod, as opposed to dropping down gotcha. from above. It it's was, kind I of think, a unique idea. right? Uh, I think originally it was kind of a squat innovation, and um, the original vehicle design was like a Chimera with a big drill on its back. But this company refined it a little bit and basically took a drop pod and just added a drill at the top, and kind of did that. Um, but it's a cool looking model. Um, so I'm really excited about that coming in. Um, so th- basically that's on our desk right now. We have this pretty, pretty decent guardians of the covenant army. I've also got a Tau army that's come in and we're putting that together this week. Um, we're coming up on week six of this massive Stormcast project, which, um, I showed Philip a little bit about this morning. It's a, it's a Drake sworn temple, which is three star drakes. Yeah. He also ordered 16 <laughs> Dracothian guard for a full lightning wave echelon and thunder wave echelon. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, and you were just saying this morning, you said the, the war, the general's book just came out, right? Mm-hmm. So now we have official points for these kind of models. Yeah. Um, and to sort of backlog a little bit, you said you did a, a loose calculation on the stormcast project that you did last month mm-hmm. and that army, we knew it was big. Yeah. We just didn't know how big. Yeah, according to generals, it's about 5,000 points. Wow, that's crazy. So, yeah. so that's that's a big project, even by Warhammer standards. Like mm-hmm. the old 8th old edition Warhammer, a big army was around, a normal game was around 2,500. Mm-hmm. A big game was around 3,000. Yeah. So, so 5,000. Oh, my God, that's massive. <laughs> it's not even that many. I mean, it's a lot of miniatures, but it really isn't. Like you would It was think, more elite, I think, yeah, than anything. Just, I feel like that's a Stormcast way, though. Like all their miniatures are just really expensive. Yeah. Points. So. Well, and, and I think that that's because they're the, I mean, let's be honest, they're the, they're, they're Marines of Storm, of Sigmar. Yeah. So, I mean, basically, per points cost, they should be more. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm excited about the Wargamer, the, uh, the General's Handbook, mostly because of the fact that now games hopefully should be balanced. Yeah. There should be a way to play that's unlike what we did a few weeks ago with Dennis and me, where like it was like a slaughter fest, where it's like, yeah. that's just not going to happen again. Yeah, that didn't work so well. Right. But. Yeah, with tournaments coming up now, or hopefully this becoming part of the tournament scene, like, you know, people are going to need new armies. So exactly. it'll be a good opportunity for business, and uh, be cool to see what happens with it. Yeah. Well, we um, wrapped up the Silver Tower projects, and um, that's the last time I ever do two box sets like that back-to-back again. Um, that was, They're a great-looking set, um, but they're, um, when you, you know... I didn't think about the workload of doing two. Because, like, I got through the airbrushing phase, and I was like, oh, this will be fine. There's actually a lot of details on these models. Like, a surprising number of details. And the Zangors, oh, my God. Uh, The Zangors are, like, the the Skeksy-looking guys with the blue armor with all the gold etching. Oh, Oh my God. It took so long to do all those. It took me, like, like, Saturday I put in about a 14, 15-hour day. And I swear to God, it was just Zangors all day. That's it. Like, I spent almost as much time on the Zangors as I did detailing probably another 50% of the project. The funny uh, thing is, it's not even like, they're only what? Like, there's not even a big model count. Yeah. Nine. It's like the box has 51 models, and the Zangors, you only get like, I think, eight a box or six a box. I forget. Yeah. Not a lot. 
but they're just a really detailed miniature. Um, so that's, you know, it's interesting. Um, speaking of Silver Tower, um, Dennis is going to be working on a Silver Tower set for another client of ours. Um, so I'm excited to see his take on Silver Tower because yeah. all the artists we have, everyone's a little different. Yeah. You know, your brush styles are all a little different. So I'm, I'm curious to see how he'll, how he'll improve upon what I've already done. Um, in addition to that, we've got an orc, a Gorkamorka skiff on our desk right now, um, which I have, um, I have to get finished up this week, so I'm excited to get that done. Um, we're getting more and more of these orc conversion projects, which I really love. Next month, I was telling Jonathan, we have a, a looted Arachnarok, which is a spider. It's a giant Warhammer Fantasy spider. Right. Yeah. yeah. So the guy was like, hey, can you loot this? And I was like, of course. <laughs> so, it's already an orc kit. Right. It's, our, it's a fantasy kit. Yeah. So we're just going to take it and we're going to turn it into a Count Saz looted wagon with like boys off the back of this thing shooting guns with a mech driving this thing. I'm really that's excited awesome. about it. Um, and that's one of those unique conversion opportunities where the guy was like, look, he had the budget to support it. He wanted a high-end figure. Um, he's kind of our perfect ideal client Mm -hmm. like he knows what he wants he's willing to pay for it like i love it um so that's coming up um let's see valentin's working on some vampire counts and um vorla septal both of those are gold level projects Mm -hmm. um both of those look like they're shaping up pretty well yeah he was working on the vampire counts last night so he's applying the red to the armor it's looking good so far so um i like that he was applying what he when i was over there yesterday he was sort of like doing um, I wouldn't say it's a zenithal style. I, I had a name for it. I, I, call it, I used to call it grayscale, where you prime, but then you also add lighter lighter primes in there. Where he kind of like was working some lighter grays in. Well, he would take a white and just slowly build it up. Right. So with a black base, you're going to get a little bit of a gradient. Right. And the higher or more spray you put in a single location, you'll get that brighter spot. So right. So it's an easy way to pick out highlights right. and get quick gradients for using... Uh, one color on top of it. So right. you just take a red and spray over and you get a nice blend. Right. And it's a great looking model. Mm-hmm. Like the way you do it is like, just like you said, like you get that gradient texture with the black, white, gray. Mm-hmm. And then when you put that paint, because paint, you know, is reflected by the color beneath it, basically. Mm-hmm. Like paint has some trim, semi-transparency, which we've talked about before. So as a, res- as a result of which, if I take a red paint and it's not very opaque and I spray it over black, spray it over white, totally different colors. Yeah. So that's what he's that's what he's using there, yeah. um, which is great, and it's a nice looking project. Um, and then he's also working on some Tau from the Vorla Sept, which is kind of their um, it's one of their newer septs. I think it kind of came out when the new wave of stuff it's came the white out. Armor one, right? Basically, it's white and gray with red accents. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And there's two ghost kills in that army, and both of them are kind of modified slightly for conversions. One of them is a, a Planetfall tribute, um, and one of them is kind of like. Um, well, I guess I guess they're both Planetfall tributes because mm-hmm. um, they both have the pilots um, outside of the cockpit, but he can close up the cockpit so you can use it either way. So it's right. a, it's a fun little simple conversion. Yeah, looks nice. Um, all right, what else? Um, Dennis is also currently working on some bolt action figures, and I need to get my ass on it because I bought an army too, and I haven't been able to <laughs> start right. on that yet. Yeah, because he's um, Dennis has got me into all these different games. Like he finished up a set of Zombicide a few about a week ago. We have that up on eBay right now. Um, and he did a really good job with that, and I, I really liked it. And he's really kind of broadened my horizons in terms of, like, what games are out there. Because he doesn't play your standard stuff. He plays, like, and, and not the bolt action isn't standard, but it's not standard in our circle. So, no, it's definitely, like, Games Workshop stuff. Right. Like it's obviously not as big, but that's all, like, World War II, right? Like, yeah, like- bolt action is, is a World War II game. Um, it, and it was designed by, I know I'm going to fuck up his name, it's like 
it's like Elicio Cavatore or something like that. He was a previous Games Workshop designer. So the Bolt app, I've been reading through the rules, they feel like 40K. So a lot, of, like the trans, you will translate from 40K to Bolt Action very quickly. Okay. Um, and we've done a few projects in the past for Bolt Action, but by and large, it hasn't been a big seller for us. So we're hoping that like with this, we'll get some new product samples out there and people will, they're about to release a new edition of Bolt Action. So what I'm hoping will happen is people will get back into it. So, all right, well, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to jump back in with our rotating segment. We're going to talk about um, our new service spotlight on rebasing and we'll be right back after this. If you're interested in advertising on War Council, let us know. We can be reached at warcouncil at whitemetalgames.com. Rates are extremely competitive, but there are limited slots available, so please contact us soon. Hey guys, welcome back. All right, so for, so for our service spotlight tonight, we're going to talk about um, our rebasing service. So essentially with um, Age of Sigmar um, now being basically on round bases, um, you have the challenge of you've got a bunch of clients out there that have uh, square-based model armies from 8th edition, and they're trying to decide whether they should move over to Sigmar or go over to what is now being referred to as Ninth, Ninth Age. Um, there's basically a bunch of people out there that are doing a Ninth Age version of Warhammer and they've translated the the points and the rules and stuff. So the problem is what do you do with your old models? Do you rebase them? Do you sell them? Whatever. So to make life a little bit easier for clients, we've put up a rebasing page. And the way this works is you go under whitemetalgames.com slash basing and then on the basing page, not the basing page, but the basing pull down from the service menu, you'll see a sub menu called rebasing. So again to walk you through that, whitemetalgames.com, go to services, go to basing and then you'll see a sub-menu of rebasing. And it's a whole page. Um, so on the rebasing page, you'll basically see rates to rebase your models. What, here's what rebasing entails. We take your model. You send your models back to us. Let's say you send us, um, I don't know, 40 skinks for argument's sake. So you'll send us 40 skinks that are on 20 millimeter squares. We will very carefully remove those models from their square bases. We will put them back on round bases of the appropriate size. So in that case, it'd be 28 millimeter rounds, which are small rounds. And then we will rebase them in a standard style. So for example, if they were previously based in a, I don't know, let's say a classic earth scheme, which is dark earth and some grass tufts, we'll redo that. And um, the price is, is all sort of inclusive there. Um, it's It's... It's a lot cheaper than buying a new army, I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> um, we also show some examples of how we've done this in the past with other models where we kind of break away the base so as to not damage the model. Essentially, the old base is scrap. Um, we, pull it, we, we break it away rather than damage the model. Um, and this is a good opportunity, if you want to, to go ahead and rebase your army in a new scheme. Um, so we include options for that. We include, um, like, if you want to basically do advanced basing. Um, we mention a price for that. Um, and in addition for that, if you want to, we have what we call a touch-up service. And the touch-up service is something kind of new, but the basic idea is that as your armies get dragged around to game stores, they get dinged. They get little notches on them, they get knocked around, they get dropped. So a touch-up is like a five-minute repair. So essentially, it's a question of, can we do a basic touch-up on your model in five minutes? So let's suppose those 40 skinks came in, they've been dragged around a little bit, and they've all got little scuffs on them. All right. Well, we'll match the color of the old guys, and we'll, we'll touch them up for about a dollar a model in that case. So those 40 skinks for 40 bucks will take, you know, 
basically an hour, and we'll just clean up the blues, clean up the colors, whatever. Um, and so the idea here is that if clients have those models in, in-house, let us touch them up, let us rebase them. While they're here, go ahead and, and add some models to your project. There's a lot of new models on the market. Oh, like yeah. There's tons of new stuff all the time. Um, you know, in, in particular for Seraphon, like last, was it last year or the year before that? They came out with all those Carnosaur variants, like the Troglodon and the Carnosaur and the, all those guys. Yeah. So, like, let's add one of those to the Army. Put them on an oval. Like, let's adjust the invoice accordingly and call it a day. Um, so, if you are a Warhammer player who's been playing 8th and is interested in playing ninth edition, and uh, or not even ninth, but, but Age of Sigmar, and you've been concerned with how to get it in, you don't want to necessarily sell your army on eBay and start over. Message us at info at whitemetalgames.com. Um, let us know how many models, what size they are on your project. On the rebasing page, we have a suggested chart for the new base sizes. Um, and the price for rebasing includes the price of bases. So, for example, if you're rebasing, let's say, Nagash, because he, he used to be on 150mm square, we're going to pop him onto a 160mm round. Um, for twenty dollars, and we're going to rebase them. That's not bad. No. Um, and if you want us to retouch them, we'll retouch them for ten bucks. Like, can't beat that. Um, so check it out: whitemetalgames.com/services/basing/rebasing, um, and email us at info@whitemetalgames.com for an estimate if you'd like to have your army rebased. Um, okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we jump back in, we're going to be talking with Jason of Wargasm Fopocalypse about his annual apocalypse event. Um, and um, you know, how, what it takes to run an event of that size. Um, so we'll be right back after this brief message. Need a model assembled or painted but no money to spare? White Metal Games is now offering trade-ins. Send us pictures of your old models, bits, boxes, even new kits. Make us an offer we can't refuse. Don't like negotiating and haggling? White Metal Games also offers consignment services. You can send us your old models, books, games to sell, we sell them through our eBay store, and you pocket 55% of the sales price. You don't have to worry about eBay fees, PayPal fees, shipping fees. There's no crazy percentages, just easy money. Contact us at info at whitemetalgames.com today. Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to jump into tips on technique tonight, and tonight we are interviewing a very special guest. His name is Jason, and he's coming to us all the way from um, Calgary in the lovely northern, our northern brother country of Canada. Uh, and he runs an event every year called Wargasm, which is so much fun to say. I just love the name of that. And specifically, Wargasm Fopocalypse, which is even better. Like, if Wargasm could get better, they added Fopocalypse, which is just fun. So it's just like, this is a great name. So Jason, welcome to the show. Well, it's great to be on, guys. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Um, So, Jason, first off, I'm a huge fan of Apocalypse. Like, I used to run my own events yearly, and I only did eight. The biggest I ever did was 12 players, and it took us three days, and what a pain in the ass. Uh, (laughs) it It would take forever. It was exhausting. We would be so tired by the end of it that we could barely look at models. We wouldn't play for months after because we were so tired. So I'm so excited to talk about someone who is actually a professional organizer who can tell me what I've been doing wrong all these years because your event looks amazing. Uh, Why don't you tell us just a little bit about the event? I'm going to start with a little bit of history about how we got to this point. Every second Wednesday, I run a beginner's league, which is basically a beer and pretzels fun time, come and play with low points values and then go out for beers after. It runs every second Wednesday at our local game store called Imaginary Wars. Uh, It's run by the awesome Kyle Bordage and we have this culture that we developed about fun first. 
When we thought of the idea of putting this apocalypse game together, uh, originally it was just uh, him and I kind of coming up with an idea. He got really busy with work and all that, so I decided, okay, I'm just going to run with this thing because I really want it to happen. And we put together a 16-player game uh, on a big U-shaped table. So there was basically four tables put together, four guys per table, very social, very engaging. And it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. The challenges that, that oh yeah the the challenges that we had of course were every time anybody's ever tried to play an apocalypse game it is this monster undertaking and it's oh, huge yeah. to coordinate everybody it's tough to get all the you know right. the points on the table and moving and one of the things we did was we did things like timed turns and this was a this was an absolute huge success we ended up finishing the game by four o'clock that day so we started at eight a.m. went to four o'clock we fit in a half an hour lunch. And uh, I was literally shouting out minutes left on the times. Nice. That can be kind of a detrimental thing when you look at it, but it actually added a lot of excitement to the game because now you've got to achieve a certain amount in a certain amount of time. Right. So people loaded guys up in transports and drove them across the field, and then they got blown up, or people would deep strike <laughs> terminators onto one of the objectives, and then they would just leave them there. Their only job was to get shot at while right. they try to move around their other assets on the table and accomplish stuff. And the feedback was great. It was, it was a great event. So we decided to take this 16-player format, and now we've expanded it to a 60-player format. And the plan for next year is to do a 200-player format. And wow. at the same time, this year, uh, we're echoing in uh, Age of Sigmar, and we're doing a grand campaign following uh, Sergeant Bob on his way to becoming Bob the Ever Chosen. So it's going to be a, a, a blast. And we'll be doing the, the echoing the 60 players for that and then the 200 players for the next year's event as well. So we're hoping to scale this up to be something big. Wow, so that, that sounds really ambitious, um, first off. And I, and I think that that's great. I, I love ambition when it comes to GTs. Um, I love something new and different, and this definitely feels new and different. The time-termed idea is really smart. Uh, before we get into it too deeply, though, why don't you give us just a little bit of your background um, into how you got into wargaming, maybe, sort of like, uh, you know, just, just what brought you into the hobby. In fact, Pablo even described you as a born-again hobbyist, which I was like, what does that even mean? Um, so why don't you give us a little bit of your background before Fopocalypse was even on the radar? Absolutely. So... Like all of us, uh, when I was 14 years old, uh, a friend of mine came back from the UK and he brought back the Rogue Trader book. And I thought, what the fuck is this? Like, nice. this looks amazing. And yeah. I, you know, everyone loves Star Wars and Star Trek, and you know, but this is like gritty, dirty sci-fi. It's something you've never seen before. Everything's right. been clean. And so this was like rough and tough and there's alien races. And I had no idea there was even this fantasy game on the other side. This was just amazing. Like, this was awesome. And so started collecting models there, saved up my pennies, got the original plastic box of Space Marines, and then you know the Rhino came out, and this was a huge model. This is nuts. And so I had my you know two tactical squads of Space Marines and my and my Rhino, and everything was awesome. As time went on, uh, I got more and more kind of into playing with other friends, and the, the, there was a group established in my university, and we played and played and played and played, and of course. When you're you know 19 to 25 to 30, you know you're full of testosterone and you want to get better and better, and so are the people you're playing with. So got stronger and stronger and stronger player-wise. Then started entering in in tournaments and started rocking those, doing really well. Won a trip to the Las Vegas Open. Uh, I guess it was the the Corona uh, Skulls by that time. Nice. At that time, and things were great. 
but so much of what I was doing wasn't really having fun so much as it was trying to pound face on the people trying to pound in my face and it wasn't really fun uh, I guess is, 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 is the best term. I took a little bit of a break. Uh, my I was, was super busy with work. I had a, a, a little daughter and everything was great. Time goes on, time goes on and then a friend of mine invited me to a game and I thought sure let's let's give this a go. Got back into it almost immediately but this time I think I had a little bit of a different perspective. It, I found that the tournaments where you're just you know moving your dudes and you know playing against grim-faced people that didn't talk or laugh or anything like that. Not everybody, but there was always somebody who kind of sucked the fun out of your day. And I decided I think that's I, the common fear from GTs is that people they they have a bad stigma for that reason. And I've been to a, I've been to enough GTs to know that that's not really the case. Most of the time, the guys there are just good people. Like they're just there to have a good time. But you're right. There's always that that guy <laughs> that's there's, just like there's that ugh. guy and I think I think everybody who's on the bottom half maybe they lose that first game and they're in that bottom tier I think you yeah. can have a lot of fun there Yeah. but if you want to challenge yourself or you make it into that top tier it becomes less fun and the better you do the less fun you have and it's right. it's almost counterintuitive now this isn't obviously for everything but this is kind sure. of a culture that I we had around here in our in our local gaming area sure and so what I've done in the last little while here is to try and change things out. So we started with this beginner league to try and get new people in. This is before seventh and sixth and all the uh, you know problems that uh, you know the, the the veteran players kind of had with these editions. And but I found that sixth and seventh made things more fun. And I know it sounds really naive to say, oh wow, a hell drake. Everybody thinks they're you know they're op. These suck. And if you own Bella Lost Souls, there's a big problem about it. But I'm like a dude, a giant flying dragon that grapples on to other flyers and then breathes flames on dudes as it flies by. Awesome. It's cool, right? That's the thing is people forget sometimes that it's just not necessarily a hell drake. The hell drake is cool, but some of these things are just hey, that's just, that's just fun, man. It's a cool model. And if you're not beating someone over the head with it all the time, it's great. Right. Yeah, and as, as hobbyists, we put an emphasis on that. Like, I, I generally look for what's fun before what's meta first, you know? Absolutely. And what's really nice about 7th is it allows you to ally stuff in. Now, for me, I can have Inquisition guys. And I'm actually working sure. on a small army right now of Arbites, the old school Arbites and the Necromunda Enforcer models. Yeah. And I've got rules for them with the Inquisition guys. And I've done up a, a, a Chimera that is all like, looks like blue and white and says Lex Imperialis down the side and nice. all of this. And I'm putting blinky lights in there. I'm cannibalizing one of my daughter's toys and I'm putting, it's a little <laughs> wand, but it's got red and blue blinking lights. So I'm cannibalizing so that and putting it in. Cops in space, basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's what they were. And that was, you know, right. Kind of they were. They were the cops of 40K. And they wrote so, the RoboCops before they was a RoboCop. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I'm so into that Overkill box with the uh, with the Death Watch and the Gene Stealer Cult and all that. That is like pure wet dream nerdiness for me. It's fantastic. So nice. I'm not naive in the sense that it's really, you know, when anybody anytime somebody says for the points, I'm immediately thrown off talking to them about having fun. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like like you got into the hobby the way most of us did, and then you wanted to have a good time with it. You and all your friends got together for a big game, and it sounds like it was just a natural growth. Like, you know what? These guys had fun. Let's make this a little bit bigger, emphasize the fun, and, like, that's kind of great, actually. It's like with Apocalypse, for example, it's hard to really declare. It's not like a GT where there's one winner. It's like it's a kind of a big – It's I mean, Apocalypse is sort of hard to – I'm sure it's hard to declare a winner in Apocalypse. Like, for sure Right, I mean, generally speaking, when we would play, it'd be like a team game, so there'd be, like, the team would win, but it wasn't individuals, it wasn't, like, one player. It was like, you know, uh, in those cases, someone 
we all contributed to the to the ground to the cause basically. Um, so uh, how uh, well? So first off, before we even jump into that, and, and I'm going to kind of pose sort of a, a delicate question out there, because uh, so because you, you seem very much in the know with like what the additions are. You've obviously been in the game for a long time. Now with modern day 40k. It, they basically introduced Lords of War a short time ago, and essentially this allowed them to take, let's be honest, your Apocalypse units in 40k games. Like, you can take a Stompy, you can take a Warhound, whatever, Baneblades, etc. Models that we normally only saw in Apocalypse are now in 40k. Is Apocalypse dead? Like, is there a place for it in the... And now, I would, I'm sure that you will say absolutely. But I'll be honest with you, I see very few Apocalypse events these days. So what is it you find so intoxicating about Apocalypse that makes it a game worth playing, not only worth playing, but worth organizing a whole event around? What I'm into is the experience of the thing. You go to the Avengers, and you want to see big stuff. You sure. can see Thor beating one bad guy with a hammer... And then he wins, and that's the end of it. And that's fine. And that's your typical pickup 40K game. And I can see why people are saying, you know, the 40K thing is maybe it's in a lot of people, it's kind of dying in, in their eyes because they just play, all they do is they play the same thing over and over. It's like saying food is boring when all you have is pizza and lasagna from Walmart. I mean, sure. if you do the same thing over and over and over again, it's going to be really kind of boring. So right. this is something that's out of the ordinary. It's it's tough to organize from a scope perspective. Sure. Uh, you know, hurting a bunch of nerds that are passionate about their hobby is fantastic, but it's like hurting cats. <laughs> right. uh, you know, getting people to show up on time, all of that stuff is a little bit tricky. And the other thing that people, I found, when we were putting lists together before, there was a big fear that all my dudes are going to disappear off the table because there's everyone knows there's going to be that Baneblade or that Knight or that you know Warhound that's going to put that template down. Sure. And all my dudes are going to disappear off the table. Sure. And I'm going to basically spend the day removing models because I'm not matched up to, to someone else. Well, I think that is the fear. When you think of Apocalypse, the first thing that come to mind are big models, big templates, big death. But what I know from Apocalypse is that's true, but in those sorts of games, you have hundreds of models. So those big pie plates, they are dropping big pie plates, but you've got plenty of guys behind it. I mean, it's not like you're not going to have backup troops, in my opinion. One of the things that we did for this Apocalypse game, the, the Faux-pocalypse one that we did uh, in April, mm-hmm. one of the things that we did that was very profitable, if you will, from a, a, an emotional standpoint, because yeah. if you lost a bunch of guys, we just give them back to you. Like, okay, you know what? Oh man, like, you're getting rocked. here For the turn two reinforcements, bring in another thousand points of dudes. Oh man, you got rocked. How about you bring in 500? And it just so happened that the two teams were balanced out as I went across the whole table. It just was magic. It just worked out on its own, which means, which is great. It means you can put a lot of faith in the actual game itself. So like but an ongoing was, reserve pool, kind of. Yeah, and if you got wiped out, dude, you know what? Just play, put your dudes down. It's about playing with your toys. It's right. not about winning the game. When we all started this when we were in our teens or, or you know, if our friends exposed us to it, Whenever we started this game, we thought it was cool and we wanted to play with toys with, you know, some rules and guidelines on the table to make it exciting. But we wanted to play with our toys. And if you take away someone's ability, and this is what a lot of tournament play is about, taking away the other person's ability to play with their toys. Even if you rock them and you wipe them off the table, but it was, you know, give and take and they got to see some some of their guys do some cool and interesting things, then it's still a win. And in sure. this game, we're focusing on keeping that win going throughout the entire day as opposed to, I'm going to lose all my models now. I sit here for six hours while my friends have fun. So, 
It sounds like the, the fun is the number one objective here. And, you know, the, the win or the, 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 you know, that is like secondary. It's like you primary looks like you're aiming to make sure everybody has a good time first. Well, the, 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 the thing that I keep, the bit of propaganda that I keep putting onto the board, the, not the boards, the bit of propaganda that I keep putting onto the site and when we're going back and forth and all that is about a, this Fopocalypse game is about sure. having fun. It's about being part of something bigger. It's about looking after the person across your table and just making sure that everybody has fun. Yeah. And everybody respected that and everybody worked together. And if I gave the guy on the other side who got rocked a thousand points, it was really neat to see these hard, you know, typically hardcore 40k players saying, oh yeah, that's great. Make sure he's got a lot of dudes so we can have some fun. So the moment you convey the expectation that it's about fun, yeah. it becomes everyone's on board. Everyone's smiling and laughing and giggling. I did a uh, kind of a wind down video, which is on our website and it's on YouTube as well about this Fopocalypse wind down. And I ended the video with a black screen and just some audio from the event. And everybody is giggling and laughing and yelling <laughs> and, and this is, it's like the New York Stock Exchange but with giggling and it was awesome. And that's, that's why I organize it. That's what makes the, the effort worth it. Well, that's great. I mean, I love the passion that's coming through about this. And it seems almost kind of like a... I wouldn't say an anti-GT, but sort of a reverse GT, where as opposed to one winner who dominates, it's about everyone enjoying their time there. Because um, when you invest your day like that, you really want to like, I mean, you want to come out with a good story, right? Like, I want to come home and be like, oh my god, I got rocked, but I rocked them back, you know, I, I hit them hard. Um, so let's talk about a little bit of sort of brass tacks here. Like, how many guys does it take you guys to run the event? Is it just you? Uh, or have you enlisted some of your friends? Um and what kind of uh, what does it take to run a GT like this? Well, the original event with the sixteen people was you know primarily just run by me as a right. as a prototyping event, which was great. This newer one that I have, I've got uh, Pam, Pam, my incredible woman here. She's she's going to be coming in and kind of managing the the back of house, so tickets, making sure that you know everything's run well with uh, the dinner and, and, and things like that and I know that sounds kind of sexist to actually do all the cooking in the house but uh, <laughs> she's, she's good at organizing people uh, so she'll be doing that I've got a, another good friend of mine who's going to be coming to the event as well his name is Chris Patton and he's an industrial designer so he's designing our custom Fopocalypse templates that you get with your swagger pack when you buy the, the weekend pass We're do, he's doing the t-shirts we're doing illustrations and artwork for the event I've got uh, a good Another good friend who's also coming to the event, his name is Scott West. He's an English professor and he is going to be doing the narrative backdrop for the Sigmar stuff and for the Fopocalypse stuff, which will be great. So I'm bringing in people that are better at doing what they do than, than me, which is perfect. And I'll primarily be running the, the organization of it, but I'm looking to kind of lean on the 16 veterans that we've had in this, this community that have done the event to kind of spread that goodwill out as we go and give me tips and tricks as to kind of what's going on in the field and oh man someone's getting rocked over here so I'm going to be dispersing it out a little bit now 60 people is not a ton of people to manage because we're going to be in a pretty confined space and I'll be spending most of my time just walking around and connecting with players and seeing what's going on so I'll be devoting my time full time to that I won't be partaking in the event um, I mean I'm, I'm sure that you that must sadden you a little bit because you don't get to play but I'm sure you're getting a lot of enjoyment just by being there and being a part of it um, there, you know. there's an immense amount of satisfaction seeing 
all the little stories going on. Awesome. And as the organizer, I get to actually see them. So people tend to see kind of what's in their bubble or their purview or basically the range of their guns. Sure. And I get to walk around and see the, these little last stand bastions in this one building or a bunch of Terminators coming down to reinforce the Lord who's all by himself. Or I get to see these stories as we, as we go. So it's, it's really cool. So essentially, it, let's talk about the format a little bit. It's a timed format, right? So they have timed turns. Mm-hmm. So how long is a turn? So depending on the time that we kind of allotted, I, I, I divvy it up. And for the first couple turns, we are looking at around 45 minutes to an hour. I'm going to say 45 minutes because we still need to fit in a couple turns. And then sure. So let's call it a 45-turn format for the, for the first couple turns. So for turn one, it's 45 minutes. It's up to you whatever you want to do. So if you have an assaulty army, you're not going to get trapped with now's your shooting phase, now's sure. your assault phase. Sure. And it gives it some advantage to the assaulty armies in some cases. I mean, they usually get shot to shot to crap anyways because they're the assault guys and they've got lots of people shooting at them. But it, it gives them time to do their thing and they have to prioritize how they want to do their thing. So if they say, this is my objective or I have to drop Terminators over here to aid a friend or I need to you know, shoot some uh, Basilisk fire across you know, three, four tables and, and put the beat down on somebody, you've got to communicate that in that very short period of time. Then we take a mandatory 10 minute break Sure. Every turn ends with a 10-minute break for both players and all that. Then they can come back to the table fresh and then hit the next one. And we just roll in turn after turn after turn. Getting closer to the end, dep- depending if we have any environmental effects, but I mean, usually guys are getting pulled off the table and wholesale. We actually shortened the time down a little bit, and it worked out pretty well. So we went down to 25-minute turns. And it keeps people busy, it keeps people moving, it keeps people thinking. You know, we've all played it when we're really tired. We just kind of, okay, I'll roll my saves, roll my saves, and like, okay, it's my turn now, I gotta think about what I'm doing. But it just it just sets that expectation that everybody's gotta be on the ball, and everyone's in the game, and everyone's having fun. So we're looking at 45 turns for the first, probably four turn, uh, 44 minute, 45 minute turns for the first four turns or so, and then the sure. last two turns will be 25 minutes each. So really, even with breaks and lunch, you're really talking about less than eight hours, really about six hours, give or take. It kicks in right about six hours. Yeah, six and a half hours. That's amazing. Like six hours for an apocalypse game is just like, I've had 40K games go longer than that, like when we're taking our time. Um, That's incredible. Um, Just out of curiosity, how many points do you expect from this event? How many points are we are people bringing to the event? Yeah, because it sounds like you've got two sides and you've got sixty players. So let's say thirty players a side, and four thousand so, points a player. Yeah, four thousand points a player. So two hundred forty thousand points. Right, one hundred twenty thousand points a side. How do you um, determine a winner in that? Like, what is what are their objectives? Like, I, I guess what I'm trying to envision is because I've seen apocalypse events like this before. Well, not I mean, maybe not like this, but their own events. Sometimes they'll do like rows and rows of tables where essentially you're playing with a guy across from you. Um, so it's kind of like a, uh, I wouldn't say privatized apocalypse, but like, you know, you're playing your small part of the battle on a much bigger scale. So how does that work? Like, are you always just playing the guy across from you or can the adjacent players play against you or like, and you know, how, how do you determine winners? And so I guess like, can you give us a little bit, if someone's never been to an apocalypse event and they've got their 4,000 points and they're ready to go, what can they expect turn one when they start the clock like who are they playing against how's that going to work 
Okay, so let's let's just slice it down to one regular six by four table. All right. So in that six by four table, what's going to end up happening is you're going to have four corner deployments. So 24 inches across from each other. Okay. okay. To the to the person across from you who's going to be your opponent, and 24 inches to the person on the say left or right of you sure. on the long table edge, sure. who's also going to be your opponent. So basically, if you took if you just took that six by four section the allies would be kitty corner to each other and your opponents would be kitty corner to each other and then you'd flip that for the next one so if you're in the middle of this this wargasm if you're in the middle of this event if you're in the, the center of this you're going to have an enemy in front of you and you're going to have an enemy on the left of you and an enemy on the right of you good lord <laughs> and so everybody is in this situation so it becomes pretty hectic but now what's happened is instead of it being that private apocalypse where it's one on one Right. You are facing three dudes, but it's okay because each one of them is facing three dudes. Sure. And so you're you're bickering with your your allies about who needs help the most, which is right. in a funny way, of course. And you're able to okay, I will shoot those guys over there, and I will drop a, a, a basilisk round over there, and because death strikes make sense in this, I'm going to sure. death strike way over there on the other table, and and off we go. So we're going to start with the units on the table. Uh, turn one and turn two uh, are just going to be dudes on the table, no super heavies. Sure. On turn two, the super heavies are going to be able to shoot into the table um, from the far as they're approaching the battle line. So battle right. is joined, uh, turn two, uh, you sound the battle horns, and then boom, 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 they can range in on the table. If you nice. just have a close assault super heavy, like a Wraith Knight or something like that, then we're going to give you a, a, a pre-barrage template that you can bring down, like one apocalyptic blast or a small one or, or something. Turn three, the super heavies walk on and and then off you go. And now you're, you're kind of keep going with the battle. So what this does is this means that your small dudes mean something for the first little bit of the game, which is super important. Sure. And an issue we ran into, this is a lessons learned from the last one, is that we lined everybody up. We had the traditional apocalypse game. You put your dudes down on the table. You put your super heavy on the table. But someone's going to say, dude, that uh, man, that uh, townar is going to be a huge pain in my butt. So all the super heavies focus fire on the, the townar and take them down. Now, that's great if you're the other guys, but it's no good if you're the guy with the townar, especially if you're not going first. So when we do it this way, it's kind of ingenious. You get to shoot with your guy at no risk. And then at the beginning of your turn, you get to bring him on and shoot with him again at no risk. So you at least get two turns with your super heavy before people adjust and can change to it. So you always get to play with your toy as yeah. opposed to getting him shot off the first turn because he's the biggest threat. So That actually sounds kind of rewarding overall because yeah. I know with people like, like let's say they drop money on like when well, Alforge World has the Warlord Titan, yeah. which is, you know, um, you know, a couple thousand dollars for that plus you got to paint it and stuff like that. God forbid you do all that and then have it blown off the table yeah. turn one. What, <laughs> a, what a waste. Um, so, I mean, this sounds like a really creative way to ensure that like you're going to get to enjoy your big models. Um, which is awesome. Um, speaking of big models, do you guys allow scratch builds? And if so, what is the craziest or the most outrageous scratch build you've ever seen? Well, first off, the uh, let's start with: Are we allowing the, the the bigger models? Yes, we're basically the limit is we've got four thousand points, fifteen hundred points of which can be super heavy. So basically, you can bring in a knight formation, you can bring in a bane blade formation, you can 
you can bring in uh, your uh, Revenant Titan and you know something else. So, but yes, you couldn't absolutely. bring in a Warlord. It's just too many points. What we're going to do is if you if you go out and you buy and build and paint a Warlord Titan, you will be allowed to play with it in this game. Yes, nice. yes, absolutely. So that's one and, of the exceptions to the rule. It, it breaks the fifteen hundred point boundary. Yeah, and if you bring a Phantom Titan, then heck yeah, it goes in too. Now, don't get me wrong. <laughs> if you bring a Phantom Titan and someone brings in a Warlord, you might be fighting each other. Absolutely. Right. But at the end cool of the day, all the all the games that we do, all the deployments are all pre-allocated. Sure. So there's not going to be a warlord versus a, a Terminator army trying to cross the field. Fair there's, enough. None of that's going to happen. So you kind of like take what people are going to be bringing and you match them up so that it's fun. Makes sense. Yes, absolutely. So how do you determine a winner after all this? Well, you everyone's on a, a side. I, I guess the, the joke is everyone's a winner. I mean, that's the, that's that's everyone plays fun and everyone's a winner. <laughs> yes, but yes, the, good, good. How do they actually win? <laughs> <laughs> how do they actually win? Well, what happens is, is in the middle we're going to have strategic objectives, and the strategic objective is going to be worth one point at the end of turn one, nice. uh, two points at the end of turn two, and so on. So it's going to scale up. There's also going to be side objectives uh, on each side that will give benefits to your guys as you go. And if you control the side objectives, they'll just be worth one point each as you as you go through the game. So as we go through, we'll be tallying the points for the day, and there will be a benefit to the side that wins. They'll get a little bit more of an everybody wins prize, and uh, the the quote quote the non winners of the day they'll get uh, they'll get of course their 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 group prize, their their goodie bag or what have you, and uh, they won't get as big of a as big of a, a prize. Um, for well, I mean that all sounds great, and it sounds like it's a really fun time. And as an objective, you know, based game, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out because you're on one part of the table, and 50 feet away, your side is fighting for you, but you don't know how they're doing. So, like at the end of the day, you really you won't know. It'll be a mystery to everybody, I think, until until the game's determined, right? I mean, like no one's going to know who won until like the the points are tallied. So that's amazing. Well, we tell uh, the points at the end of each. At the end of each. Oh, okay. Uh, so uh, people have a experience. sense for how it's going. Absolutely, and the idea here is to motivate people to kind of work together. Sure. The big advantage to this game, and what makes it really fun, is that if you're getting stomped, it's not you getting stomped; it's your team getting right. pushed hard. So then you say, "Hey, like one of the best moments from the the last game that we we had was on one side of uh, we had this U shape, and on one side." Scott was on one side of the table with his Terminator army and he was having a lot of trouble and an Imperial Guard player on the other side started lobbing in death strikes and basilisks and all kinds of artillery to soften up his opponent to make it easier for him. So even though people might be having challenges, this is where it's up to the players to coordinate and shout out, hey, I need some help over here. And those hunter-killer missiles for 10 points that's in everyone's codex that has, you know, infinite range if you read it, they can fire <laughs> across the table into the back armor of whatever's fighting them on the other side of the U. So this is the type of stuff that needs to come out of the event and people need to recognize they're on a team. And about everybody was a little kind of, oh, my guys are dying, my guys are dying. And the moment that clicked in that everybody was on the same team, it got to be a very exciting game because people are shooting across the table. But don't forget, they're sacrificing their time right. to save someone else. So not only their time, but their troops' not point, It's time, right? I mean, not only that, but they're they're basically saying, "Look, I know I'm going to get killed by the guy across from me, but the greater good is I've got to like you know, uh, it's, it's 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 a group game, not a me game." 
I can hold this table with these guys with right. you on your table. Absolutely. Sure, sure, sure. Um, well, with the time we have left, why don't we go through a couple quick things? So, yeah, do you yeah. have any uh, quick lessons for people that are interested in running a GT? I mean, when I think about an event of this size, not only organizing the players, but just the table, the hall, the terrain that's required for this sort of event. So, do you have any kind of early lessons you learned or, or wisdom that you want to impart to people that want to do their own apocalypse events? The trick is is to have faith in and believe in and build a community. Once you have that community, people will step up in all kinds of ways. For you to organize an event and have a lot of terrain would be very, very difficult for most people to kind of you know, start it up and do it and all of that. Sure. What I did is I started leaning out, hey, does anybody have uh, one of our objectives? They were a little Aegis defense line and it allowed you to recall an orbital bombardments kind of thing. Hey, I need Aegis defense lines. And you know, everyone's got an Aegis defense line kicking around and people would paint them and bring them and say, here we go, I've got this. Or you'd say, hey, I'm looking for fat mats. Does anybody have them? And for our four tables that we had for the 16 player one and for the bigger one for the 60 player one, people are offering up, yeah, I can bring a fat mat because people have this great, amazing stuff and they want to devote it to this game they, because they want to be part of something bigger. And so you can lean heavily on them for terrain, you can lean heavily on them for, uh, you know, uh, for mats, things like that. And that's the, a big part. I got everybody to submit their lists early so that I had time to genuinely look at them. Uh, I was also able to, if someone said, hey, I'm going to come in with three Warhounds, I'd say, okay, man, that's a little bit OP for what we're doing here. We want to make sure the other person's having fun. They're like, oh yeah, okay, okay, thanks. I had uh, Justin from the It Will Not Die podcast. He actually came to the, the game as well. And he was hilarious. He's like, what can I bring? And he's, he, he gave me three list submissions. And I said, I want this one. I think the Renegades would be fantastic. So we did a Renegade tank company in two weeks, painted it all up, assembled everything just to, just to play in this because he couldn't play with it otherwise. So lean very heavily on the community, get things done early. So give yourself a lot of lead time. Six months is a great amount of time. If you push really hard at the beginning, then everything else kind of happens organically. When you're in the shower and you realize two seconds, it's just like, oh, and then all these ideas pop into your head. Or you know, just before you doze off to bed, you write a bunch of ideas down on your phone. It gives you time to kind of plan organically for the event, which is great. So give yourself lots of lead time, secure commitment from people early, and just build the community and rely on the community and they'll all want to be part of it. That's, I mean, that's great. I think those are both good lessons. Like, rely on community and, you know, don't do it yourself, all yourself at least. Like, and give yourself plenty of time. Like, I mean, I don't think there could be a better lesson than that. That's nice, simple, roundabout advice. I like it. Nobody um, follows it, but it's great advice. Well, yeah, you know, it's just like uh, I, <laughs> the things our parents told us were true. Um, all right. So just to round it out, why don't you give us the details of, like, where they can find out about the event, what's the website, who to contact, what they can expect to pay. Give us, give us the brass tacks about the, the, down, the down and dirty stuff um, so that they can find you and not only find you but book so they can get to that event, be a part of it. Absolutely. So the event website is www.wargasm.ca. So W-A-R-G-A-S-M.ca. And that will at the bottom have the link to our Facebook page, which makes life nice and easy. If they're in Calgary, they can get tickets from Imaginary Wars Gaming and Hobbies, which is on Elbow and Southland, so it's in the south side of, of Calgary here. 
if you are coming in from out of town, I've got tickets up on Eventbrite as well. And the uh, pricing and everything's up there on Eventbrite, but they charge like an 8% fee or something like that. So a lot of people are sending kind of instant money transfer type things to, to us to make sure that they're registered in. The Wargasm uh, Facebook page, there's two. We're just in a transition point right now. There's the Wargasm 2016, which is our event page. But Facebook uh, won't let us convert an event over to a page. So I've also started the Wargasm Facebook page. And I think we'll put the, the link in the description of the, the podcast here. Absolutely. But it's also available off the Wargasm site at the very bottom, which is, which is fantastic. Um, yeah, the, so the that's, site, that's, I'm looking at the site right now, and it's actually really inclusive. Like, everything's easy to find. It's well laid out. So essentially, when people get to the site, um, Wargasm.ca, they can't not find everything. Everything is really well laid out. Um, so I, I think that people will, like this is easy. Like you can't, it's not buried. It's on the homepage, you know. Yeah, we wanted to keep it super simple. I mean, it's it's a simple thing that we're doing. So we wanted to make it super easy for people to come, play, register, get a feel for what's going on and, and, and how we're doing it. So and this is all taking place in November, November fifth and sixth. November fifth and sixth, and Calgary. the sixth so, is the actual apocalypse game, right? The Sixth is the Apocalypse game. The fifth is the Age of Sigmar uh, Grand Campaign with Bob the Everchosen. Awesome. Um, well, I mean, I, I think in particular with now the General's Handbook being out, people are going to be more and more into Age of Sigmar. And who knows? Maybe this will build into, like, Age of Sigmar Apocalypse? I see well, Age of Sigmar <laughs> doesn't really suit itself. This is the, the challenge. So just to cover that very briefly, the Age of Sigmar event is patterned after an event that uh, I ran for Imaginary Wars a little while, while back, and we called sure. it the Red Shirt event. Basically, people were, this was the kind of us trying to transform the community a bit. We called it the Red Shirt event because you took only the crappy dudes. So okay. for the points, if this is the crappiest dude ever, if you know, Eldar Guardians are, were crap at the time, great, take Eldar Guardians. Uh, Tau Kroot, perfect, you need to bring Kroot, you know? Uh, nice. Um, and so we did this Red Shirt event, and it was a starship boarding action, and it was based off the themed <laughs> army I did. And it was so you had one table, it. and it was the landing, like the yeah, sure. You had one table, and it was the docking bay of the of the of the massive ship, and you the doors would open up one at a time, and it would pull people based on how many doors were open. It would pull people towards the doors as they were getting sucked out into space. Uh, we did a. Uh, a zone mortalis board and you'd get thrown against the walls if the ship was hit by missiles from another table and uh, really and you could shut off air in certain compartments or shut down gravity and it would increase movement or blah 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 so each table would achieve an objective and it could control something else on another table and so what we're doing is, is we're taking this format and we're applying that to the Sigmar event because Sigmar doesn't because of the going back and forth with the you know uh, allocation of who's going it doesn't really work in a big mega battle format and nobody wants to do the mega battle format sure so we're sure. having individual tables as a team game so again it's very social so two guys on a table versus two guys on a uh, on the same table and when they mm -hmm. achieve objectives they'll be able to control things on other tables so they'll be able to change the winds of magic on another table they'll be able to uh, open up a portal and bring in reinforcements for someone else on another table. So the effects will all, whenever you secure something, you were doing well on your table will help or hinder opponents or players on another table. So there is, again, it's going to be a two-sided event. And and so this way we get to keep the format of Sigmar. We don't have to break the way Sigmar works because it's amazing. And we can still have it be a bigger team game. 
That's fantastic. Cool. I mean, I, I think what you've done there is you've you've captured like again the fun of the game versus like you know uh, you're, you're finding what works for you guys, and that that to me sounds great. That sounds like a really fun event. Like everything about the red short red shirt. Yeah. I wish we did that. Yeah, that's like, that's awesome. incredible. I'll send you um, the details for it if you yeah, guys like. Please. You can play test it. Or I mean, come, on, come on up, and uh, we're uh, on the Saturday night. We're doing the we're calling it the Nerd Olympics, which is nice. a massive, massive thing. So we're having it catered in. We're doing a, a beautiful like carved roast and Alberta beef. If you guys are not familiar <laughs> with Alberta beef, it's 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 <laughs> the best in the world. See, we in Canada we export all our softwood lumber. We export all our wheat. We export all our dairy. We export our water, even down to you guys. But we keep the AAA beef for ourselves. <laughs> we, give, we give away everything but the beef. Bastards. So we can have this massive, you know, Alberta roast beef carved dinner thing. So it's with essentially, coffee. if we want this beef, this holy grail of beef, we yeah. have to go there. Yeah, you got to come here. But we'll make it worth your while. Sounds and good. so we're going to have a, a bar, and we're going to be doing a, we call it the Nerd Olympics, which is a template toss and blindfolded, upside down tipsy painting and. Uh, we're going to be having a real life Age of Sigmar where everyone's going to stand up in rows and scream and yell at each other in false English accents. You're going to get a big foam it. die and a sword, a little dollar store sword, and you're going to roll your die and have your stats. And uh, if you uh, if you get in trouble, then you know if you die or whatever, you got to roll your saves. And if you fail your save, then you're off to the side. And it's uh, so it's just going to be just a big goofy fun night. Sure, sure, and, sure. Uh, I'll, I, I joke around. I'll be mainlining Gatorade coffee to the players for uh, apocalypse in the morning. Full apocalypse in the morning. Well, Jason, everything you're saying sounds great. It sounds like this is going to be an amazing event. I can't wait to see how it develops. Um, we're going to have links to the site, links to the Facebook page, um, and, and I absolutely think this is this is great. I can't wait to see what happens with this. So, thank you very much for being on the show today and talking to us about Wargasm Apocalypse. I appreciate your time, guys. It was great talking to you. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back in with our one-minute rant or gush right after this. Hey, guys. It's Caleb with War Council. Are you a purveyor of stuff? Are you an entrepreneur with something to preneur? Do you sell things related to tabletop gaming, painting, or some other aspect of the miniatures hobby? Would you like to advertise to, like, at least three listeners a show? Then you've come to the right place. War Council has a limited number of sponsorship slots available. Each slot guarantees you a banner ad on the White Metal Games website, and we're like 300 likes on Facebook right now, so clearly at least 300 people can be bothered to click the like button at some point in time in their lives. For $20 a month, we'll promote you and your products on the show. For $10 more, you can have an entire 30-second commercial, like this one, only, you know, better and more relevant and stuff. Email us at info.ymetalgames.com for more information, and until you do, put your menus where your mouth is. Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to jump into our one-minute rant or gush tonight. Um, I'm going to let Philip start this off this evening. Oh boy. Uh... <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe he's not like, <laughs> I, I thought one. you were ready. We talked about this earlier. <laughs> I thought I had one. Oh, okay. All right, all right. Um, well, um, if that's the case, then I'm going to rant for a minute. I'll give you a second to think. Mm. So um, one of the things we do through White Metal is that we, we try to give our clients discount on product. Um, like, for example, if you're a GW client and you're ordering an army, we give you 25% off the retail value. So put another way, if a model costs you, um, you know, roughly, let's say, $20, the box, not that any box would ever cost you $20, but if it did, we'd knock $5 off of that. So essentially, you're going to get the same rate as if you bought it, like, let's say, through eBay probably even a little bit better because we're not going to charge you for shipping. We're going to eat the shipping costs on our end. 
Um, so essentially, you get 25% off most materials. Now, the way we're able to do that is by going through distributors. And distributors are basically bulk sellers that sell to companies like us, um, your favorite you know, friendly local game shops, um, online retailers, that kind of thing. So we have good relationships with these distributors. That's why we're able to give you the discount on product that we are. So we've been reaching out to new distributors looking for new ones. And I'm not going to name names, but a couple of the distributors we've looked at recently, normally they have online applications. You fill out a couple things. They go to your site, make sure you're not fraudulent, and make sure you actually are who you say you are. And then they extend you, um, you know, distributor's discount, basically, which is good. It's a good discount. It's, it's not as good as like a direct discount, but it's much better than, let's say, you know, what the game store will offer you. So some of these distributors require online app, require printed applications, and um, then they ask you to mail them physically like snail mail or faxing. And when I saw that, I kind of did a double check because <laughs> who faxes? Does anyone fax anymore? I don't know. Do, is, I don't even know where to find a fax machine. Right. <laughs> um, and on top of that, like, I guess that means they maintain a fax number, like, are they are they paying for that? Like, do they pay a monthly fee for their fax machine? It's probably at this point, it's probably included in your phone bill. Oh my now. god, that's <laughs> crazy! Even the other way, where it's like, well, you can mail it in snail mail. It's like snail mail. Like, what are you what are you talking yeah, about? Like, I like, can't scan this in and like email it to you. Blasts back to the 1990s. Oh like, my god, archaic system. And these documents, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, it's fine. I, I only have to fill out this form one time. But one of these guys had a seven page application. I haven't filled out a sibling. I don't. I've gone to jobs. I haven't filled out a sibling age application for. So I don't know. It was like I was a little like, "Are you kidding me? Come on, man!" Um, but that's the sacrifice we make to get our clients the best de- discount we can on materials. So distributors, get with the times, man. What, what the hell? <laughs> Well, I do actually have one thing. So I just wanted to kind of like a small promo here. We, uh, me and Val, were trying to find certain materials like brass rods. Oh yeah, things that we couldn't find them like anywhere. It's hard to source it's, them locally. Yeah, um, we did, however, find a website um, uh, called Hobby Link. That's Hobby L I N C Link dot com. Um, they have tons of different supplies and pretty good pricing. But um, I just wanted to get, give them a shout out just because. They have brass rod, they have like magnets, a bunch of materials. A lot of it's cheaper than what you'll find like at a hobby store or sure. a site like, you know, Michael's or anything like that. So um, highly recommend just giving them a check out and uh, see if they have anything that you guys might need. But um, nice. yeah, that was sort of my... Yeah, I mean, recently, like, I mean, we're always looking for cheaper ways to, to source materials because we go through a lot of like magnets, we go through yeah, a lot yeah. of rod, glue, paint. You'd be surprised, like... We've got a project, uh, Jonathan's working on a Carnifex project right now that's like five magnetized Carnifexes with all options. And he ran the numbers and he was like, it's something like 300 magnets or something. Yeah, it's close. Yeah. (laughs) So when you get to that point, you're like, you have to find a cheap way to source magnets. So even at a discount, like we were getting magnets at like about 16 cents a piece in that scale. Mm -hmm. Um, You guys dug around, found them for five cents a piece online. Etsy, so, yeah, yeah. Go to Etsy, and you will find magnets. Like I think you can get two hundred of the quarter inch by an eighth or mm-hmm. by sixteenth for like twelve bucks. Crazy good, like really good deal. Yeah, yeah. So we're always looking for ways to sort of source materials. Um, we should really put. I should put together like a, a page, mm-hmm. like where we have like here's our regular vendors that we use. And there's a guy who does that too, like online. He's a British guy who mm-hmm. does videos and gives like helpful hints on where to find That's awesome. materials. But, um, I used to, I had a, a document years ago that I had started to put together and then like all things I just got busy. So it kind of fell the way of the dodo. 
Um, but that's that's interesting. So, all right. Well, um, that's nice. What was the name of the website again? Hobbylink.com? Hobby, yep. Link okay. with a C at the end. Hobbylink with a C, not a K at the end. Right. Um, very, very cool. All right. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with our outro, and we'll be right back after this. Are you a tabletop-quality painter in the Raleigh area with 10 hours or more a week to spare? Have you ever thought about becoming a commissioned painter before, but you weren't sure it was right for you? White Metal Games is looking for talented painters in the Raleigh area to join our studio team. You're paid by the job, not by the hour, so you can paint at your own pace. Send us pictures of your painted models to info at whitemetalgames.com, and we just might be interested in speaking with you. Put your minis where your mouth is. That's going to take us into our outro for the week. We are out of here this week. Um, next time on the podcast, we are going to be talking about glue and epoxies, um, which sounds boring when you say it out loud. But the, the reality is, well, yeah. <laughs> Did you just say it is boring? Is that uh, no, what you... I said it excites me. Oh, okay. How weird is that? Um, and we're not talking about – it doesn't excite him because he's sniffing them. That's not what's going yeah, on here. No, no, no. Uh, what we're, so basically we get questions all the time on what kind of glues do we use. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised. That's a popular question. Well, there are so many options. Yeah. So it, it's, it's helpful to have at least a concise list of you know, mm-hmm. what's good, what works for certain types and of And people material. get confused about basics like super glue or, as I like to say, cryo-accelerate, which is the technical <laughs> term for it, um, which just sounds cool, um, or plastic glue. We get that question all the time, like, hey, can I use super or plastic glue on a pewter model? No, the name is Plastic Glue. Like, I'm not for sure you read it. Um, But that being said, it is confusing. There's a lot of glues on the market. And that doesn't even go into the sub-glues, like two-part epoxies that you mix together. You know, stuff like plumber's putties and, like, Gorilla Glue, which expands when it it dries. And there's just a lot out there. So we're going to talk about glues, epoxies, and and that kind of stuff. We are looking for our next guest for our podcast um, roughly a month from now. So if you have someone in mind you'd like us to interview for the show, please reach out to us at info at whitemetalgames.com. You can also email us at warcouncil at whitemetalgames.com. Uh, be sure to check us out on um, uh, Facebook. Or not Facebook. Well, yeah, check us out there too. Um, but also I was going to say check us out on, um, uh, what do you call it? iTunes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we are always looking for new reviews there. So if you're interested in leaving us a review, that would be great. Um, the reviews really do help with rankings. People don't know this, but the reviews help you get ranked. And the ranks help you build your membership and your audience. So that way we'll show up higher in the standings. So essentially, if you want the show to do better, leave us a review. Because then people will hear about the show more. We'll get better guests. We'll get more guests. We'll get maybe some sponsorship. You know, more than just frontline gaming. Um, So if you're interested in advertising on the show, we absolutely have sponsorship opportunities available. We'd love to speak with you. Email us at info at whitemetalgames.com. Okay, well, that's about it for now. Um, Until next time, my name is Caleb Dillon with White Metal Games. I'm Phil Corbin with Brushwork Minis. And until then, put your minis where your mouth is.